Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, D.O., and my main man, J.C., John Coleman. J.C., what's happening, man? Bro, what's up with the new look? Yeah, you like it? You know, it's... Hey, you have to thank Kevin Murphy for this. Yeah? Kevin Murphy came in my office. He said, hey, D.O., you're getting old, and you're constantly staring at computer screens, and I have these really cool glasses mm-hmm. that I'm going to have you wear to protect your eyes. I'm worried about you. Nice. Well, I put them on, mm-hmm. got a couple compliments. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know what? Like I kind of like these. Look like Scott Van I kind of like this. Now, I don't like that. I get SVP. I get SVP. And, um, you know, it's funny. I liked SVP before he was SVP. Correct. When he was I don't Scott. like his show. No. Yeah, like I liked him when he was on. And by the way, he's on uh, Sports Center, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. He's on ESPN. Yeah. He has his own show. It comes on like 11 p.m. Yeah. Um, and yes, he is Caucasian, male, bald head, and he wears glasses. So I guess all of us Caucasian, middle aged white men with glasses, with bald heads, all look alike. I get it. Okay, I understand. I see where we're going with this one. So, hey, Kevin Murphy came in. By the way, shout out to Kevin Murphy. I'm going to have him on the show. Oh, okay. I'm going to have Kevin on the show. I talked to him about this. Um, Kevin was my assistant 10 years ago. Like, I hired this guy as my assistant. Known him since middle school. Yeah. His first month, we couldn't even afford a computer. Mm. Okay? Mm. And last year, he closed $48 Ooh, okay. Like, what a cool story to tell. Sounds like a come up. Plus, plus a little bit of intel on me. Mm. Kevin can answer questions like, hey, what was it like working for Dio? Mm. What was Dio like when he was originating loans full-time? Yeah. You know, because by the way, I was a different person. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was a little bit edgier uh, than oh, I am More edgy. Yeah, I'm a little bit reserved wow, and laid back these this days. This is the reserved version. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Imagine that. Watch out, world. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for the glasses. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna wear them from time to time. Okay. They match this outfit. They do. You know, Jeff with Tom James hooked me up with uh, with the shirt I'm wearing. Shout out, Jeff. Shout out to Jeff. The pants I'm wearing, you can't really see them on camera, but I promised her Tom James. Yeah. And um. The glasses that Kevin gave me looked good yeah. and got some compliments. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to rock them. Yeah, look at um, you, man. The outfit is what to do as a loan originator. Yeah, this outfit is. is what to yeah, do. Yeah, but today's episode oh. is what not to do. Okay. What not to do. We've had actually several requests. Like someone was on YouTube a couple weeks ago. Hey, Dio, you talk a lot about what to do. Yeah. How about you talk about what not to do? What not to do. And then my my first like knee jerk reaction was well the opposite like mm. the what not to do is the opposite right. of everything that we teach you and talk about on the show. Correct. But I've realized some people need real life examples. Yeah. I have a lot of real life examples. Do you? Because oh I can brag about the Kevin Murphys and the Mike Williamses and the Casey McElroys as we do often and the Eric Cotters and the Barry Botwins and the Patrick Shishians, Yeah. All that have been guests on this show. Mm-hmm. All that have amazing stories and crazy success. Mm-hmm. In this industry, but for all of them, Mm. there's double as many Mm. that I can remember by first and last name, but we'll we'll keep that respectful. We won't go out and call people out that they didn't make it Mm. because those guys that that I just mentioned, they are the what to do, Mm -hmm. but everyone else would be the what not to do. Correct. So we're going to do a show on the what not to do. Okay. Which, in a nutshell, is going to be the opposite of everything we tell you to do, but we're going to give like some real-life examples. Let's do it. You ready to do this? I am ready. All right. Okay. Hey, at what point should I pimp out, like, hey, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, at The Loan Officer Podcast? Sounds like you're doing it right now. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. at The Loan Officer Podcast. Yep. 
And uh, how about LinkedIn? Ooh. I'm on LinkedIn as Dustin Owen. Mm-hmm. You can also follow the Lone Officer Podcast on LinkedIn. You can. And John Coleman, behind the scenes, what are you working on for, for us and our audience? Can, you know, are you ready to tell? Are you you want to tease it? Well, I think you should tell people. I mean, it has to start with a www. Uh-oh, are we going big time? I don't know, man. Are we going to go big time? I don't know. You know what? Here's what happened. Okay. John Coleman reached out to Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller was actually one of the guests. That serial was. entrepreneur. Full circle. Yep, so Dennis develops websites for a living. Yeah. And John said, hey, Dennis... I think we're actually going someplace with this whole TLOP podcast. I think it's time. You think it's time? Yeah. All right. So be on the lookout. We're going to have our own website. Yeah. And the website's going to have content. Yep. It's going to have premium content. Yep. It's going to have some trainings. Uh Uh-oh. Links to maybe some of our um, favorite vendors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a coach's corner. What? Yeah. Like, think of all the places we can go if we had one central hub. Hmm. Let's go and get a website. Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you heard it here first. John Coleman put it out in the universe, which if you put it out in the universe, it has to happen. Kind of. That's the the law. So stay tuned. These things typically take four, six, eight weeks to develop. Um, Listen, my sister, her web developer, I think has taken six months to build her website. Yeah, I feel bad for her. Uh, She didn't call Dennis Miller. I don't know why she didn't call Dennis Miller. I think she had her heart set on someone who had already built websites in her industry. Mm -hmm. But she knows Dennis as well as I know Dennis. I mean, our moms are best friends. That's how we met. But nonetheless, Dennis is going to build us a website. You guys are working offline on that. And our listeners should stay tuned. Yes, they should. But in the meantime, continue to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the show on YouTube. Share it, like it, comment. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what you want us to do more of. Yep. Or let us know what you want us to do less of. Yeah, yeah we we love doing it. And yeah. there's even some listeners that uh, have reached out and um, we've helped them find um, careers. Yeah. We've helped them place place them, match them with, with employers. Yeah, that's awesome. In fact, I have to call a listener today because we need a processor here out of our Winter Park branch, what? potentially. What? And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to call a listener. He reached out to me a few months ago. We connected via LinkedIn. He's local. We're local. Mm. It might make sense for him. It might not make sense for him. We won't know until we have that conversation. That's awesome. How cool is that? That's awesome. All right, so what not to do. What not to do. And it's going to go beyond the opposite of what to do. Okay. But in a nutshell, I always think of this. I always think of the show The Office. Yeah. And... I'm going to totally botch this, unless you want to look it up on your little pocket computer, also called your smartphone. Um, but Dwight Schrute is one of the characters on The yes. Office. And there's this r- famous Dwightism and this famous uh, quote uh, where Dwight, um, on an episode, said something along the lines of, I look at what someone is doing and I think to myself, that person's an idiot. So I don't do that. I Every day when I get behind right? the wheel. Every day. Yeah. So like what not to do? It's like, okay, well, ask yourself, is that something that an idiot would do? And if that's the case, think I, about Dwight Schrute. Yeah. I, I won't do that, yeah. right? Um, and I did butcher that. Like full disclosure, the quote is way better than that. And obviously Dwight's delivery, his character's delivery is amazing. But um, so let's start with this. Okay. We're going to start with what not to do. Mm-hmm. It starts with your schedule. Okay. What not to do is to think that because you're working in this job that's 100% commission, that your schedule is flexible. No, your schedule is not flexible. You are to work a schedule that is predictable. I don't care if it's 7 to 4, if it's 9 to 6. 
I don't care if every Wednesday you don't come in till noon because you work until eight. It's predictable. You need to be predictable. You need to get your butt out of bed every morning and you need to go to work. Take a shower, put on your uniform, go to work. This is my uniform. Yeah. I have a different uniform when I go horseback riding. That uniform is Wrangler jeans, a t-shirt untucked, and cowboy boots. Mm -hmm. That is my uniform. When I go running in the morning, I have a uniform. I don't run in this outfit. This outfit doesn't tell me that I'm, I'm getting ready to go run six miles. Mm -hmm. Nope. My Daisy Duke shorty shorts, my running shoes, mm -hmm. and my special t-shirt that won't rub my boobies raw when I run is what I run in, right? That's my uniform. Yeah. Put on your uniform and you get to the office and you, you put in a full day's work. So many times, especially those of us that build relationships with the real estate community, we try to work realtor hours. No, we work bankers hours and we make ourselves available when our realtors are also working. So work your bankers hours, which is nine to four, make yourself available nights and weekends. Okay, we'll start there. So if you want to be successful, what not to do? Yeah, don't go working a schedule that is not predictable and consistent. That's a what not to do. Yeah. All right. Um, don't put anything ever in front of your lead generating activities. Ever. But Period. End of story. But I got this. Nope. But I. No. What do you think people would like to put in front of lead generating? Because let me ask you this, John. Do you think lead generation activities are sometimes the most fun activities? Not, no, I don't. Not necessarily. They no. They know. But I want to do the easy stuff first. The easy stuff that I can check off my list and say it's I'm not a even, Yeah, it's not even the easy stuff. Sometimes it's just the, the, the things that are less scary. Ah, yeah, that's true. The things that don't come with the potential of being told no. The rejection. Yeah, by the way, no, my father has taught me, is a very acceptable answer. If you go into any conversation understand, hey, I'm going to be fine if you tell me no. There's a, a very popular, successful training program out there called Sandler Training. S-A-N-D-L-E-R, Sandler Training. Sandler will teach sales professionals to go on a sales call, and the very first thing you do is say, hey, John, I just want to let you know at any time you can tell me no. I'm going, I'm just, I'm disarming you, and I'm letting you know. No is a very acceptable answer. I'm fine with hearing no. But what not to do? What not to do would be putting anything in front of your lead generating activities. If you need to learn a product or a program or do some kind of continuing education, that comes after you've done your lead generating activities for the day. If you need to attend a closing, that needs to happen after you've done your lead generating activities for the day. If you need to do a pipeline meeting, if you need to structure a deal, if you need to lock a loan, if you need to... It happens after you do your lead generating activities. That may mean that you start your day at 7 a.m. because you know you have something at 9.30 a.m. So from 7 to 9.30, you have to do your lead gen, right? That's something that 75 Hard taught me, right? When I was going through 75 Hard and it was Christmas time, on Christmas morning, I couldn't do my run at 6 a.m. because my kids were going to be coming down the stairs at 5.30 a.m. ready to see what Santa Claus brought them. 75 Hard taught me that particular morning I had to set my alarm for 3.45, be running by 4, so I was home by 5, mm. so that when my kids came down at 5.30 to see what Santa brought them, voila. Mm. Okay, so that from a what not to do, never, ever, ever put anything in front of your lead generating activities. Yeah. That's a what not to do. Yeah. Don't try to tackle too many things at one time. I'm a great multitasker. I can no, take you're on not bullshit. No one is. 
it is scientifically proven that we don't multitask. Our brain does not have the ability to do two things at one time. Now, our brain is super cool. It has the ability to do this for two seconds, this for one second, this for two seconds, this for three, this for a millisecond. It literally does. Mm -hmm. But it does not have the opportunity to successfully do two things at once. Meaning, science has proven I cannot text and drive. I can text and I can drive. But my brain is so good that I successfully could text and drive and get myself to and from work every single day. But I'm not doing both at the same time. I'm either texting or I'm driving. Mm. So too many times we try to do too many things at once. Even if you think about it as a, hey, John, you're a loan officer. I want you to name me where you're going to get business. Where, where are you going to get business from? Where, like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah don't uh, ask you that. As a loan as officer, a loan officer which you, you've never been one. Yeah, yeah, correct. But you know a couple. Yeah, I know a couple. You've hung out with a few. Yeah. We were hanging out with a group of them on Friday night yeah. up at Topgolf. Yeah. I got to meet your wife. Yeah. She got to meet my wife. She exists. Your wife, wife does exist. Yeah, yeah. True story. John <laughs> Coleman does have a wife, but our wives got to meet for the first time. Yeah. And it was like magic. Yeah, it was. It was, it was awesome. pretty awesome. It was good. Yeah, that was really good, yeah, right? Good. Anytime the wives can get together and they like each other, you're like, oh, oh my uh, God, uh, I hit a home run. Thank you. Um, but no, so, so you've hung out with yeah. loan officers. What are, give me some areas loan officers can get business from. Realtors, they can go to okay, realtors. realtors. Okay. Um, local, like, uh, like I would say from mailmen, uh, industries like, uh, what are you talking about? Doctors, dentists. Okay, so they can build relationships with professions. Uh, uh, with, with, with professions. Pro the professionals. Yep. How about a CPA? Of course. Okay, they can get a, they, how about a financial advisor? Of course. Um, well, when you said like dentist, I'm thinking more like the HR manager yeah. or the, at the dentist office. Yeah. But yeah, you can build relationships. So let's just say um, that they could have affinity relationships with local businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, we said builders, builders. So realtors, builders, CPAs. Yeah. I mean, your people, um, you financial know. advisors. People you know. Your circle of influence. You can adopt a company, whether it's adopting a firehouse, a police precinct. Oh, yeah. uh, you can, you know, build a relationship with a large company. Maybe you have a really large car dealership. Yeah. And you can go and do lunch and learns with a car dealership. Like, so, so there's a plethora. Yeah, boys. Okay. What not to do? Do not try to lead generate. All of those at one time. You'll spread yourself too thin. We did a show, spread too thin, you can't win. Yeah. Okay, pick three. Pick three that you're going to dominate, and one must be realtors. One must be realtors. One could be your past client database if you've been at this for a while. If you haven't been at this a while and you're newer, you don't have a past client database, but maybe you have a circle of influence. Yeah. Right? So maybe you can start getting your favorite 12 or 15 people together. And maybe you guys do bowling night on Friday or Wednesday, or sure. you just meet for oysters and beer on a Tuesday, but you never hide from the guys that, Hey, you're, you're a mortgage professional. You help people buy homes, finance homes, refinance homes, et cetera. Yep. Um, you could try to build a relationship with that local um, company that employs a thousand people in your market, mm -hmm. but don't try to do it all at once. There's nine, 10, if I start adding in CPAs and financial advisors, don't try to shotgun it. Pick realtors, pick past clients, and pick HR managers. Pick HR managers, pick CPAs, and pick, pick realtors. Pick CPAs, financial advisors, and realtors. Whatever it is, yeah. pick three and do those three really well. Yeah. So that would be something not to do that I see people do. Like yeah. people who, who, don't, who don't do well. Um, don't fall in love. How about that? Don't fall in love. A mistake that I find is that 
a especially a younger loan originator or a loan originator who's trying to take their business from three to four closings a month to, to seven to eight closings a month, they go on a, a sales call and it goes well. Oh, I love, I kill, I crushed it. Love that person. They love me. We're gonna be besties. Oh, you, I can't wait. No, like they're gonna give me so much business. We and hit they it up. stop, and they're like, "Yeah, that's awesome." So like I have to walk that person through it. Look, sales is a numbers game. You need many relationships. In order to find the many relationships, you have to go on four times as many sales calls, intro calls, getting to know you calls. And I know when a younger professional isn't gonna make it, when I check in on them one week and they talk about this great person. I just met Sandy and she's awesome. And Sandy and I are gonna do an open house together. Yep. Great. Two weeks later, hey, I'm checking in how everything's going. Oh, yeah, I'm meeting with Sandy again. All right, hey, by the way, there's other realtors than just Sandy. Make sure that you're meeting with Sandy, and I hope that relationship is going well. And, hey, high five on building it, but you need to go out and find nine more Sandys. A month later, hey, how's everything going? Oh, I just got off the phone call with Sandy, and we're, go, we're, we're trying to get these three people that, she pre, that I pre-approved under contract, but they're having a hard time, and one person won't get me their docs, and one person, they can't get any offers accepted, and one person thinks they're going to go rent. Mm. All right, but have you met anyone else? No, they fell in love with Sandy. Sandy, and that, that one good sales call made them feel so good and so busy, they didn't go out and meet nine more. Mm. Let me just walk you through a typical relationship with a realtor as a referral source. Okay. okay, a realtor who closes 40 transactions a year is a pretty badass realtor. They're gonna be in the top one, two, or 3% in their market, period, end of story. That realtor who closes 40 transactions, 20 of them were listings. As a mortgage lender, a realtor who does 20 listings, I don't have an opportunity necessarily to partner on those listings. Right, because some other realtor that I may or may not know is gonna bring a buyer who buys that listing. So really that realtor is good for 20 buyers. Mm -hmm. Cool, 20 buyers is pretty amazing. But what I understand is that statistically, 25% of all sales are cash. So those 20 buyers aren't really 20, they're actually 15. 15 buyers, okay, whew, great. Mm -hmm. Of those 15 buyers, that aren't going to be, or that are going to be financing because 20, there's 20 buyers, but 15 or 15 are actually um, financing. Mm -hmm. Five of them already came pre-approved. Look, they already had a lender like a Barry bought one who did a great job the last time. And they're going to call Barry yeah. and his team, which by the way, as a lender, you got to respect that because that's the relationship that you're trying to right. build. Yeah. You're trying to create clients for life. Yeah. So really this realtor who had does 40 transactions a year and who is badass, they make a quarter million dollars themselves. They're in the top one, two or 3% that if you're able to get a meeting with them, you and I would have both done a backflip because yeah. it's a freaking amazing meeting to get scheduled. Please understand that there's 20 buyers of which only 15 are going to actually finance. And of those 15, five already come with a lender that leaves 10. Yeah. And oh, by the way, that realtor, they love you and you love them. You guys may even go out to dinner with your spouses together. You may even play handball together, or you may do crafts together or work the PTA together, mm -hmm. but you're not their only lender that they love. They also love Amy who works down the road and Amy is fantastic. And Amy grew up with this person in the industry. So they love you and they love Amy. Now you and Amy get to split those 10 buyers oh, yeah. that weren't paying cash and didn't already come with, with their own lender. You and Amy get to split them. Mm -hmm. That means you each get five, but you don't win all five, John. Damn. You're going to lose at least one. One is going to 
only care about cheapy cheap. And they found cheapy cheap online. They found cheapy cheap through their uncle's cousin's mm -hmm. brother who works out of their basement. Mm -hmm. Four. Damn. That realtor who is badass, who agreed to meet with you, who loves you and you have dinner with, they're with four transactions. That's what they're worth. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to be an average loan officer in today's environment, that means you're trying to close 30 to 40 self-sourced, self-generated leads. Look, if you're working for a company that supplies you leads, those numbers don't exist. If you only close three or four a month, you're fired. Those companies need you closing 10 or 12, mm -hmm. right? But they're also not paying you 100 or 150 basis points. Right. They're paying you way less because they provide the, the, the leads. What we teach and coach here at the Loan Officer Podcast is how you can go out and become the self-generated, self-sourced mortgage lender. Right. But what I'm trying to teach you, the what not to do, don't fall in love. Don't fall in love because even if you go on a fantastic sales call with a fantastic realtor who closes a lot of business and they love you, they're only worth four closings, best case, a year. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to close 36, bro, you're way off. You need nine more. <laughs> yeah. Which means how many calls do you need to make? How many meetings do you need to go on just to find nine more? It may be a hundred. So if you fall in love, with one person and for the next month, everything you're doing is about that one person, you're missing the boat. You're not going to find success. That's great. Especially when you're not running a predictable yeah. uh, schedule. Right. And especially when you're not putting lead generation as your number one activity. So that's what not to do. Right. Right. Here's another don't uh, not know what, what not to do. Don't be an asshole. Oh yeah. We, we talk about that. We did an episode on, on, on hiring and mm -hmm. being hired, but it's, it, dude, that's just a life principle. It really is. This is a really cool quote that I love. Um, if you put others first, you'll never be last. It's cliche and corny, but I promise you it's true. If you put others first, you'll never be last. Okay. Put your client before your profit. When you go and meet with a realtor and you're trying to build that relationship, don't make it about you. You don't go in there talking about how great you are and how much business you close, um, your experience. You talk to them about them. What is it that you're trying to accomplish, John? How can I bring value to your business? I promise you, you put others first, you'll never be last. You make that sales call about them and how you can benefit them and add value to them, you'll get your, your back scratched. They'll like you, they'll trust you, they'll believe in you, they'll want to partner with you, which ultimately will lead to more leads, more leads uh, 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 go uh, uh, to convert mm -hmm. into more closings. Correct. So like what not to do, don't make it about you. Uh, and I call that don't be an asshole. Yeah. Right. Same thing with your clients. Never look at your client as a paycheck. Mm. Look at your client as a person who needs your advice and your service. Now, granted, there's going to be some clients that you're going to have to turn on your egg timer, right? You have to turn it to three yeah. minutes, six minutes, or nine minutes and understand that you know there's no money to be made at this point on this person, but they're still a person, mm -hmm. right? An asshole wouldn't return their phone call. An asshole wouldn't give them three, six, or nine minutes. As a professional, you owe that person three, six, or nine minutes. You don't know who they know, right? You don't. You don't know what they'll turn into and what they may become. They are a person, put people over profits, give them your time. I'm not saying dedicate an hour to them. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying every person that you help, 
help them, give them some advice, point them in the right direction, turn them on to a resource. You may just be like, hey, look, this is what I know, but let me tell you to tune into the Loan Officer Podcast. You can find them on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. They have episodes that will teach you about buying a house. They have episodes that will teach you about credit. They have episodes that will teach you about budgeting. Oh, that sounds good. Right? Like, like at a minimum, be a resource. But when you're helping someone, you can't do that if you're being an ass. You just can't. So, like, what not to do, that's it. Don't put your paycheck or the profit ahead of helping people. That's right. Um, Don't think this is just a sales job. Don't think this is just a technical job because it's both. It is both. You have to learn how to be a great self-promoter, marketer, advertiser. You also have to invest in yourself and becoming a great technician, right? So just because you went and you took the 20-hour safe course and you passed the exam, high five, that doesn't mean an ounce of anything. You still don't know how to sell yourself, market yourself, talk to consumers, and you still don't know how to structure a deal and qualify a deal, right? That was your barrier of entry. So if you stop there, that's a what not to do. Don't stop there. That's not enough. That is, that is me saying that, well, because I went and bought a race bike, I'm now a triathlete. You are. No, I'm not. Just because I went and bought the bike <laughs> just means I'm a dude who owns a race bike. Yeah. Right? No, now I have to train. After I train, now I have to compete. After I compete, I then have to see where are my deficiencies and what do I need to work on so the next race I do better. Mm-hmm. So just because I bought my bike, which by the way, I did join the Central Florida Tri Tri Club, and I am going to go buy a new race bike, and I am going to attend a training on Wednesday, which is why I'm bringing this up. Yeah. But it's like it's it's top of mind and it's relevant. But you know, just because you 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 took the course, you passed the exam, and now you're licensed, that's know. just the beginning. Yep. You now have to learn how to become a great technician. You now have to invest in becoming a great salesperson. And by the way, it's not a Okay, I did that. Now I'm done. You're never done. Oh no, you are, no. It's constant. No, you're never done. It's constant learning. It's constant learning. This is all professions. I know we're leaning hard into mm-hmm. LO and mortgage because this is called the Loan Officer Podcast, but it doesn't matter what it is. My friend who's a CPA, she has to go to continuing education courses. My friend who's a dentist, he and his partners take two weeks off every single year to attend conferences. They attend one conference that talks to them how to run their dental practice from a business standpoint. Then another conference that talks to them about the latest trends in technology when it comes to dentistry. Mm. So it doesn't matter your profession. You have to be a student to it. So what not to do? Never think you're done. Mm. I just signed up for Barry Habib's Certified Mortgage Advisor course. You do? Yes. Why? Because I never want to stop learning. My CMB that hangs on the wall wasn't enough. I now want to be a CMA. Right? I. That's value I can bring to the show. It's value I can bring to my loan officers. Yeah. Right. It's value that I can bring to our consumers when I when I have an opportunity to talk to one of them. Yeah. It's a great point. Right. So what not to do? Never be happy with where you are. Always be looking to improve. James Clear teaches in Atomic Habits, 1% better every day. 1% better. What did I do today to become 1% better? What not to do? Never, ever, ever think that just because you went out and got a loan and you put together a haphazard file 
and you turned it into your processor that your job is done. Done. It's not done. Your job as a loan officer is to be that LO that every processor should be begging, raising their hand, emailing their processing manager. I want to process for JC. I want to process for JC, A, because he's not an ass, and B, because he turns in a well-documented, thorough file. He did all of his legwork. He did his research. He asked the borrower all of the right questions so that when JC hands me a file, I know that A, it's going to close, and B, there's a roadmap pointing me and the underwriter in the right direction to his thought process. What do you mean? There's some LOs that hand in like an incomplete or inaccurate file? Yes. Yes. Garbage in equals garbage out. There are people that are, I use air quotes here, too busy to do the research. Look, you can Google and you can find the 4000.1, which is the FHA handbook. You can Google the VA handbook. You can, you can go to Ask Polly and you can look up uh, some of and all of Fannie Mae's guidelines. You can do the research. The tools are there. The question is, are you actually going to utilize those tools? Or are you going to think you know something? guess you know it, or just because it makes sense to you, it's going to actually be right. You know, are you going to ask your borrower all of the right questions? Understanding that you don't sneak things by your process. You don't sneak them through underwriting. Like that's a dick move. Mm. No, you ask the questions up front. And as a skilled, seasoned professional, you understand every potential red flag on that file you know how you're going to overcome it if it becomes an issue and you've communicated that to your processor. So like that's a what not to do, but that has to be, in order to do to be that, you have to be a great technician. In order to be a great technician, you have to invest in your own training. Mm -hmm. Whether you take a guideline home a night, which I think Credit Christie said that she did, yeah. and you study it and you read it, whether you agree to work after hours and allow your underwriter or your processing manager to shadow you, I actually once had a mortgage professional who did that. Um, whether you invest in a company like Xenix, whether you take School of Mortgage Banking 1, 2, and 3 through the MBA, like the resources are out there if you care to find them, right? right? And also, this applies if you're working a consistent schedule. You can't, if you're not predictable with your schedule, how can you have a good rapport with your processor? If your processor doesn't know what time you come in, what time you leave, the best hours that you're available to do things like pipeline meetings, to do things like put your heads together because you as a loan officer didn't ask the right question. Now something's coming up in underwriting and the two of you have to overcome that, that, that problem, that hurdle. By the way, what not to do? Your mindset, your mindset. Think about what you get to do for a living. Think about the income potential. What is your mindset going into this? It's easy for us to want to MF our realtor partners and MF title companies and MF borrowers. MF our underwriter, our processors, or even the regulators who create the rules that we must follow. Yep. That's real easy to do. But check your mindset at the door before you walk in. If it were easy everyone would do it. If it were easy, they wouldn't pay us the money they pay us. Yeah. Okay. It's supposed to be stressful. Things are supposed to go sideways. That's when you earn your money. But the what not to do is your mindset to think you're owed something to think it's someone else's fault. 
There's only one person you can ever control. Do you know who that person is? Yourself. Yeah, the person in the mirror. The person in the mirror. So before you go blaming your borrower, the realtor, the listing agent, the seller, the title company, the insurance agent, the regulators, the IRS, the appraiser, no. Have a hard, long, deep conversation with that person in the middle, and then the middle, in the mirror, and say, hey, homie, what could you have done different? It may have been, hey, there's nothing I could have done different in this instance because I wasn't experienced enough, and that's okay. But I'll be damned if I let this happen again because now I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to implement a said process Mm -hmm. so that I look out for this in the future. Yeah. Right? But, like, that's what not to do is blame others. Mm. Like, what not to do, blame others. Yeah. What else can you think about? Like, what not to do? I don't. This is a very preachy episode. No, no, but it's very interesting how it's like when you start going, they're all interconnected because it seems like you can't do one without the other, without the other, because it's. What not to do? Talk about the loans you lost. Stop. You are in business. When you are in business, you don't win every contract. You don't win every deal. I mean, Major League Baseball hitters, they try to get on base three out of ten times. Yeah. You know, your goal should be to get on base seven out of ten times. That means you're going to lose three times. Three. That's of people who are actually pre-approved. Think about how many people you have to talk to to find three that are pre-approved. So when loan officers talk about, oh, I lost this business, why don't we talk about all the business we we, we won? Because you're supposed to lose business. You're not always going to be the cheapest. You're not always going to personality match. It's okay. Like here in Central Florida, we have a huge defense contracting industry, right? We have uh, Kennedy Space Center is, is just 45 minutes to the East Coast. So you have a lot of jobs there with SpaceX, NASA. Um, therefore, you have Northrop Grumman, you have Lockheed Martin, you have other defense contractors. If the U.S. government said, we need, I don't know, 10,000 of these types of missiles, mm-hmm. there's three companies that can bid on it, and it's a billion-dollar job. Mm-hmm. Only one can win. Right. Only one can win. But do you think Lockheed Martin shuts down their doors <laughs> curls up in a fetal position, sucks their thumb, and cries because Northrop Grumman won that one? Probably not. No. You know what? They licked their wounds, they learned from it, and then they try to win the next one. So never, ever, ever talk about what you lost. Let's talk about what you won. Because this is sales, this is business. You're not going to win every single bid, nor should you. If you're winning every single bid, then you're too cheap. How about that? If you're winning every single bid that you put out there, I don't care if you're a house painter. I don't care if you're an attorney or a loan officer. If you're winning every single one, it means you're too cheap. Mm. You have to ask yourself, why are you cheap then? Are you no good? Are you not worth it? Is your time not worth it? Is your experience, your professionalism not worth it? Mm. Right? And you can't be all things to all people. There's sometimes you were, you're the cheapest and the, and, the, and the best at what you do, but maybe it wasn't a good personality match. Maybe you had a hard time building yeah. trust. But yeah, that's a never... Never focus on the things that you lost. Um, And that also would correlate into knowing who your client is. You know, like someone who on their third phone call, hey, dude, I'm under contract. I got your phone number. I'm already pre-approved and I'm getting bids. I'm getting quotes. That's not my client. (laughs) Like 
that I'll put together an estimate. I'll 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 put them. I'll, I'll give it that way. I'll turn on the egg timer. I'll spend my nine minutes to try to build rapport mm-hmm. and separate myself from a experienced professional standpoint. Keep it moving. But I understand that that was never mine to win. That's found money. If I actually, if that client chooses to use me, that's found money. Because that's not my client, right? So what not to do is not knowing who your client is. Who's your client? Can you sit down on a piece of paper and, and draw out? I can. Here's my client. My client is referred to me by one of my local realtor partners. And when they're referred to me, they are told, you need to call Dustin because he is fantastic at what he does. I hope you have a lot of time because he's extremely wordy and talkative. But I promise you this, when you hang up the phone, you're going to, you, you're going to have learned two or three things you didn't already know about the home buying process and about obtaining a loan. He and his team will be able to get you pre-approved. And his pre-approval letter matters, especially in a market like today, because his company's reputation in the marketplace is top-notch. His pre-approval letter is what's going to get our offer looked at, where a pre-approval letter from another company won't. Right. That's my type of client. That's how they're referred to me. I don't care if the credit score is 480 or 830. They are at least my client because they were referred the right way. Or it's a past client coming back to me saying, D.O., you guys rocked out last time. I loved what you did for me. Can we do it again? That's my type of client. Anyone who doesn't fit in the, into that bucket, I will still give time and day to. But I understand going into it, if I don't win that person's business, I don't count as, oh, I lost another loan today. Yeah. We hear that all the time. No, you didn't lose anything. You're given an opportunity at free money. That person wasn't referred to you the way that you wanted to. They didn't come through one of your channels, whether it's through a past client for repeat business, a past client referral. Hey, you did my sister's loan. She basically told me I'm an idiot if I don't use you. Yeah. Right? We get those. Or a realtor who says, this is my guy. This is my team because they're going to get your offer accepted. They're going to teach you. They're accountable to me. They're going to close on time. They're going to pick up the phone when you call. And oh, by the way, they're going to help get your offer accepted. You know, like... Mm-hmm. So I think that's a what not to do is is understand who your client is versus who your client isn't and never focus on the loan you lost. Yeah. You lost a loan, so be it. What's your number one job, John? The leads. Go find yeah. the leads. Yeah, go get another lead. That's fine. Just get another one. Yeah. Look, as 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 hard as this this sounds, it's the truth. You're gonna screw stuff up, and that's okay. You need to screw stuff up. This is a race to see who can make the most mistakes the fastest. And as long as you're learning from them, you're going to become better than a person who didn't make as many mistakes as you in the same amount of time frame. Okay. But when you make mistakes, you are going to lose some relationships. You're going to burn some bridges. It sucks. It's a part of life. It's a part of business. Get over it. Go get another one. There are 10,000 realtors in my local market. I cannot work with 10,000 realtors. I can work like true partnership with about 15 I can know about 200, right? Mm -hmm. So if one of those 15 starts hating me and my team because we screwed up, we made a mistake, and they can't get over that, and they can't accept our apology, I have to get over it. I have to go to those other 200 that I already know and see which of those 200 could I turn into a partner. They were maybe just a contact before. Let's say I lose 10 or 15 contacts. That's fine. There's another... Nine thousand mm-hmm. seven hundred and seventy-five realtors in my marketplace that I can then go go call on, right? So I think the the what not to do is 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 allowing your your brain to go down a a path that it shouldn't go down in so many facets. Right. It's focusing on the wrong things. Wow. 
that's a lot of what not to do. It's really a what to do, but it just kind of in reverse. Yeah, yeah, correct. You know, in reverse. So like, you know, people who I've seen not succeed in this business. Yeah. There's really three, three major things. They don't work a consistent schedule. Okay. Mm-hmm. They don't make lead generating their number one and number, number two, two lead and activity. Number three. Yeah, honestly, and yeah. number three. Right? We said, well, number number one would be you're you're generating consumer leads. Mm-hmm. Number two is you're generating um, leads amongst referral sources. And and number three is is you're working your circle of influence, right? Yeah. Every day you should be your circle of influence is going to introduce you to future referral sources, right? Yeah, and they're also yeah. going to, your circle of influence is also going to refer you to themselves, right? Right. Your past clients are going to refer you to themselves and the people they know. And then, you know, mm-hmm. your, your realtors are obviously, or your builders, your referral sources, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. they don't make lead generating their number one, number two, number three, uh, um, responsibility. Yep. They don't work a consistent schedule. And somewhere along the line, their mindset is skewed. Either they're assholes or they have victim mentality. They're looking for the easy way out. They're not like, by the way, not investing in yourself and your craft. To me, it's being an asshole, mm. right? Like what, what a person are you that you don't want to, want to be the best. You don't want to know the why behind what it is that you're doing and, and the reason why you're asking consumers to jump through these hoops. Mm-hmm. But those are it. And there's a lot of those people. There's a lot of those people who... They didn't make lead generating their number one, number two, number three priority. They didn't work a consistent schedule. And one shape or form, they were an ass, mm-hmm. right? Whether whether they were an ass because of how they treated people, because they put profits in front of people, because they didn't make their own education a priority, because they didn't want to be the best at, at understanding programs, products, and guidelines. They didn't want to understand personal finance. They didn't want to understand the mortgage-backed security or the MBS market. Like... Those are the three things. Yeah. So what not to do? Well, don't focus on leads. Um, don't become a great technician. Don't uh, um, uh, work a consistent, predictable schedule. And I promise you, you won't have a career in the mortgage banking industry. If you can do all three of those well and stay consistent, stay con- persistence and consistency. You need to be consistently persistent especially if you're new in the industry. And I'll wrap it up after this, I promise, because I'm sure we're going long. If you want to be successful, two years. Two years. Embrace the suck for two years. Grind it out for two years. Even if you are a slow-moving freight train, as long as your wheels stay on the track and you continue to move forward, if you give that train enough time of moving forward on those tracks... Momentum will build. Once the momentum is built, just like with a freight train, there ain't no stopping it. You're not going to stop that freight train. But it's going to take you two years. You have to mentally dedicate two years to your craft. If you woke up today and you were a four uh, uh, four to six million dollar a year producer and you're like, this is bullshit. I need to be a 20 or a 30 million dollar producer. Please know it's a two year process. It's not a, oh, I started paying for coaching and I'm doing my calls and I'm doing the activities that my coach is asking me to do. Voila. No, you need to be doing those activities for six or nine months before you start seeing the momentum. And then it's another six, nine or 12 months before you really have built up speed. Mm. So what not to do is 
if you don't give yourself enough time of being consistent with your activities and staying persistent, you won't be successful in this industry. And by the way, this industry, I could throw in any industry. Oh, yeah. Building my own law practice, building my own um, uh, roofing doc- company. Roofing company. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm involved in a real estate development and real estate investment company. Yeah. Right? I'm a financial partner. I also coach the, the, the principals. Mm-hmm. And these are all the same things that, that, that we're talking about. We had a three hour business meeting last Friday with whiteboards and everything. I was geeked out. And I promise you everything that I'm teaching to them, I teach the loan officers that Dennis teaches to, to his, his roofing company yeah. associates, like, and my buddy Charlie teaches at his dental practice. Yeah. It's all the same principles, but you can apply them to your mortgage banking career and become wildly successful. That's awesome. All right, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, he's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. You've been tuned in the Loan Officer Podcast. Please like us and share us. Follow us, Instagram, Facebook, yep. at the Loan Officer Podcast. Stay super tuned. TikTok, uh-oh. I think we're going to go and jump into the kids app known as TikTok. But we are on YouTube. We are on LinkedIn. We're on Spotify. We are on Apple. If you're tuning in for the first time, we thank you. Yep. If you are a... Um, fan of the show and you keep on tuning in, please, please continue to do so and let us know what topics you'd like us to do. We're going to do one on appraisals coming up. We're going to do one on, on title, uh, insurance and working with title companies because of viewer requests. We're going to do a show coming up on becoming a CE instructor and how someone could leverage becoming a CE instructor in order to, um, uh, build their name brand in the marketplace. When I'm talking about CE, I'm talking about CE for realtors, not necessarily CE for for NMLS purposes. Okay. And I'm going to bring Kevin Murphy on the show, I think, as well. And Kevin's going to talk about his um, journey, going from a assistant, my assistant, to a top producing loan officer. There's going to be some nuggets and some tidbits that people can learn from there. And I think you and I have a show that we're going to do later this week. Yep. Um, about mortgage school. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do a show on mortgage school. And I think we're going to lean into and the angle we're going to take on this is with mortgage school, it's going to be how you can stay a student. What are some of the resources that people should be looking into from I, I'm getting my, my NMLS. Yeah. I'm going to take my exam. I need to take the 20-hour safe course all the way to I'm making a quarter million dollars a year, but I'm not happy. I want to make a million dollars a year. And we're going to do some name dropping. We're going to talk about the pros and the cons of each company. And um, we're going to title it Mortgage School. That sounds awesome. But hey, this is all the time we have for today. I have a meeting I have to run to. You have a loan officer that you need to go meet with. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thank you for tuning in. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen, and we're out. Peace. Peace.